What's going on, family? Happy Monday, and welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. Hope you had a great weekend. Certainly, it was a wrestling-filled weekend, and we'll get into that, of course. But thank you for always supporting what we do here at The Faction, whether it is by way of social media, at The Faction Show, we really appreciate it, or if you're joining us by way of podcast, thank you so much for doing that. It really does mean the world to me and to our entire team. If you're not following, go ahead and click the subscribe button via podcast or follow us at The Faction Show on the socials. Want to shout out a couple of cities who have been rocking with us for quite some time. Certainly a big deal this week. Shout out to Philadelphia at number three, Riverdale, Georgia, which is right there in the Atlanta area at number two. And the number one city for the week is Quincy, Florida. Loving that. Meanwhile, Romania and Spain tie for the number two spot for the top countries. And of course, the U.S. of A., comes in at number one. Now then, let's get down to business because it was a very interesting weekend in the world of wrestling. Let me just start by saying I'm giving you some spoilers for both SmackDown and the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. If you don't want to hear those spoilers, go ahead and hit the pause button and we can resume afterwards. If not, we're barreling ahead. All right, with that said, WWE SmackDown came our way this past Friday night brought in 1.926 million viewers, which is a rise from last week's 1.853 million viewers. Not quite 100,000, more like 73,000 new viewers week over week. And uh, I have to say, really, ever since May the 28th, which was Memorial Day weekend, SmackDown has been on the rise. However, SmackDown has not seen the 2 million mark since the top of May which is kind of scary and even more intriguing considering what happened this Friday. As Thursday night, it was announced that all of a sudden the universal title match on Hell in a Cell would actually happen on SmackDown and not the pay-per-view. It was an odd maneuver, to say the least, and one could argue perhaps it was for ratings, perhaps it could be used to boost buy rate for Hell in a Cell. I don't know, but it was weird. I'll just say that. So for the first time ever, we had a Hell in a Cell match on network television. It's never happened before. And I got to say, first of all, well, I've been very vocal about how I felt about this whole Roman Reigns, Rey Mysterio program. To me, it felt very thrown together. It felt very last minute. And again, Rey Mysterio's one half of the tag team champions. What has he done to deserve a shot at the Universal Championship? other than be upset, right? Is that enough of a reason to get a title shot? I would dare say no, but he got the title shot anyway. And again, I say, who thinks that Rey Mysterio actually had a chance to beat Roman Reigns in a regular match, let alone inside Hell in a Cell? It was a fairly decent match. I'm not sure I was the biggest fan of it. I mean, we all kind of knew how it would end with Roman Reigns getting his hand raised. I was more concerned with what that meant for the pay-per-view. And what it meant for the pay-per-view was no Roman Reigns or Rey Mysterio for the pay-per-view. First pay-per-view in quite some time without the head of the table. Now, with that said, I have to say, well, before I get to Hell in a Cell, let's just say this about SmackDown. I would prefer that matches like that 
are not on network television. It reminded me of several years back when they had a TLC match on SmackDown. It was a great match, and it's kind of one of the forgotten TLC matches. It was fantastic. It was where Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit retained the tag team championships, and it was amazing. Of course, because of Chris Benoit's involvement and winning, they don't talk about it, but it was a major, major deal. But matches like those, in my opinion, really cheapen the value of a pay-per-view and maybe in these days we need to ask ourselves what is the value of a pay-per-view event and I say that because pay-per-view isn't what it once was now that we have streaming services happening now perhaps for AEW who's doing Bleacher Report and they don't necessarily have a streaming network you know a $50 a pop event certainly has money attached to it The question's now, which do these wrestling companies value more? Do they value the weekly rating more? Do they value the pay-per-view buy rate? And in a case like WWE or Ring of Honor or New Japan Pro Wrestling, where the pay-per-view event is part of the streaming service, it's really a question now of what has more value. Do those events have more value? Now, when you're talking about New Japan and the United States, Really, there aren't other options to watch New Japan outside of NJPW World. Now, you could check out their new Roku channel, but certainly that's not going to give you, you know, up-to-the-minute pay-per-view action. Certainly, it's not giving you live action or things of that nature. So, from from a stateside perspective, something like NJPW World becomes absolutely necessary. In the world of Ring of Honor, in the world of WWE, I'm not fully sure how they're measuring the pay-per-view buy rates. I I don't know how that's being measured right now. So that I think is interesting and I do think it should cause question uh, in terms of what is more important. Is the weekly rating more important considering for AEW, you know, they're on TNT, consider for Raw and SmackDown being USA and Fox respectively, those ratings do make a difference. And, and the reason why I mention this also is because there is the on-demand feature when it comes to the streaming services. So, for instance, you could probably take a look at the live viewer rate, but then you're going to have, of course, the on-demand viewer rate, people who view the replay, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I say all of that to say I don't know where success should be measured. You could make the argument that likely more people saw Roman Reigns Hell in a Cell match on Fox than they did the pay-per-view last night. We'll have to see if we can get some numbers to check that out. All in all, very, very interesting. Speaking of numbers, we do not have the numbers in yet for AEW Dynamite, which aired, of course, after SmackDown this past Friday night. This week, Dynamite moves from Friday to Saturday, and it will be the last non-Wednesday Dynamite for quite some time, as the following week, Dynamite returns to Wednesday night for what looks like it'll be their swan song at Daly's Place. So hopefully, being back on Wednesday night will produce better ratings for Dynamite. Again, it's been, it'll be five weeks this week since they've been on a Wednesday, so I hope that their viewership will remember that Wednesday nights are nights for Dynamite. Hopefully, they'll be able to promote that in a significant way. Now then, are you ready to talk about Hell in a Cell? I am. Let's take a look at last night's pay-per-view. This is SHW 28. Look out! Well, maybe this is why he came out here. He came out here to attack. 
This place is loud. Logan Chase will now be the manager of All-Star Special. Oh, heads up. Oh, what just happened here? Fingers tipped the length away there from his son. No, oh, no, 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 no. What has come over Ben Buchanan? Rekka, bring it. Bring the best you got. This match could tear the house down. And they're not going to wait for the bell. Corey Hollis just gets cut in half. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. This is what everybody came to see. Your main event for the SHW Championship. A count of Whoa. one. Oh, and he sent him into the ref. We got a new champion. So they're saying Creed got disqualified. Don't do this. David. No, 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 oh, no, no, right. no, 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 no. He's no, crossing no, no. the lift. All right, last night was Hell in a Cell, which has a bit of history connected to it because it is the final pay-per-view that will be held inside the Thunderdome. And I think that speaks volumes, right? Because earlier they talked about WWE going on a summer tour. That didn't necessarily translate into fall. They certainly have not announced fall dates yet. But I think it's safe to say if they get through the summer without there being a major issue connected to COVID, then they're going full speed ahead, sign up the arenas, and they're coming to a city near you, which means pay-per-views no longer in front of screens, which means excitement returns to WWE, or so we hope. With that said, I want to run through some of the results from last night's Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. It started off with a kickoff match as Natalia, representing one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, defeated Mandy Rose. The Hell in a Cell pay-per-view kicked off with Bianca Belair successfully defending against Bailey. Seth Rollins defeats Cesaro. Alexa Bliss defeats Shayna Baszler. Sami Zayn defeats Kevin Owens. Charlotte Flair defeats Rhea Ripley by disqualification. And Bobby Lashley retains the WWE Championship in a Hell in a Cell match against Drew McIntyre. Okay, a couple of things to get with. First of all, Bianca Belair and Bailey. This was a last-minute announcement for this becoming a Hell in a Cell match that happened this past Friday, and that replaced the Hell in a Cell match that was Roman Reigns and Rey Mysterio. Now, how would they fare? I've got to say, Bianca Belair is still fairly new. It's her first Hell in a Cell match. This would certainly be by far the most violent match she's been in. How would this work for her against Bailey? I have to say, I enjoyed the match, and I will go so far as to say this. I feel like what we're seeing with this Bianca Belair title reign is akin to the inaugural title reign of John Cena. Now, some are going, wait a minute, you can't make that comparison. Well, I will, because when John Cena first won the WWE Championship, certainly he was loved by quite a few, but he was still very green. And if you remember, he won that title, of course, at WrestleMania 21. By the time we get to WrestleMania 22, he is hated, but he is having some pretty exceptional matches as he did with Triple H in the main event of that WrestleMania. But all throughout that year, you saw matches. I remember his match with Bobby Lashley, ironically, for the WWE Championship. Cena was putting in some great, great work, and we were watching the evolution and maturation of John Cena. I feel like we're seeing that with Bianca Belair right now. We're seeing her maturation, a fantastic match against Bailey. 
Very creative scenario. And I have to say this, one of the real challenges that WWE has had when it's come to Hell in a Cell has been how do you keep excitement for Hell in a Cell without people looking for folks to fall off the cage? And so I think over the last few years, they've given us some great Hell in a Cell matches that have had enough drama, enough action where we weren't necessarily looking for folks to go outside of the cage. I think back again to last year, Roman Reigns and Jay Uso, which I felt like they had an absolutely epic encounter which nobody expected Jay Uso to walk out of there as champion, but at one point we thought he actually could. It was an I quit match inside of Hell in a Cell, masterfully done. And so to that I say it is very possible to give us Hell in a Cell matches that are not moved by, that are not measured by whether or not someone went outside of the cage or fell off the cage. Redefining Hell in a Cell I think is really important, and WWE I think is actually doing a good job of that uh i will say this seth rollins and cesaro Sami Zayn and kevin owens bobby lashley drew mcintyre those three matches alone were all rematches from wrestlemania and so i ask myself why is it two months later we're having wrestlemania rematches when quite frankly we had a number of wrestlemania rematches at backlash such as the case for seth rollins and cesaro bobby lashley and drew mcintyre and i think the real question in a lot of these scenarios becomes if you overdo something does it then lose its spunk or its flair and the answer is yes i hearken back to a couple of years ago i think it was 2016 20 no 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 2018 2018 when we got Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles at WrestleMania for the WWE Championship. That was special. Then we got it five consecutive weeks in a row. Like, guys, it's not special anymore. And so I think they have to be careful. You don't want to make Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens not special. You don't want to make Seth Rollins and Cesaro not special. With that said, I think both of them have given us some great matches and great rivalries that don't appear to be over anytime soon. I think we're seeing, much like we saw with Bianca Belair, the maturation of Cesaro from a mid-card superstar to a main event superstar. And just by being in the ring with Seth Rollins, I think that finally does that. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, quite frankly, they can fight from here until kingdom come. I don't know that we'll ever get tired of it, though I feel like a couple of years ago they said this is going to be the final match. And when it's not, you know, these guys are going to fight forever. That's kind of the way that it's going to go. I want to talk about the women's matches, Alexa Bliss and Shayna Baszler. So I think it was last week when I was saying that I certainly miss Bray Wyatt and I wish Alexa was more connected to Bray. But with that said, I think Alexa is becoming her own person. And I think, matter of fact, I know I like Alexa's matches a bit better than what they were giving us with Bray. And here's what I mean by that. Alexa doesn't just rely on, you know, superpowers, but Alexa has become far more aggressive in the ring. And I think it's a great mix of in the ring activity and other antics that makes Alexa Bliss one to watch. And it made me think like at some point will we see her in a title scenario? I don't want to see her in a title scenario yet. 
I actually like what's happening here with Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax and Reginald. And there's the whole, you know, mind control thing that's happening. And yeah, I think it's really cool. I like it. I like it a lot. And I like the fact that Alexa doesn't necessarily need Lily to win a match. So when Lily does return, boy, it feels like all hell is going to break loose. With that said, Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley. There are moments when I really like this pairing, and then there are other moments when I really don't. Like, I feel as though Rhea needs a clean win over Charlotte. She needs that. Charlotte winning by disqualification, and then them going the route of, ah, I see you're learning a lesson doing what I would have done. Interesting. It makes me wonder if at some point we'll see Rhea and Charlotte on the same page. I don't know, but somehow we have to get Rhea Ripley away from the shadow of Charlotte Flair. I feel like Charlotte Flair for many has become the measuring stick in terms of what's happening in the current women's division. The interesting thing is she's not necessarily winning a ton of matches. So I don't know how she contains or retains this mystique in the women's division. And again, I think Charlotte and Rhea needs to be saved for a while. I would say save it for SummerSlam, but SummerSlam is all of two pay-per-views away. We need a break from Rhea and Charlotte. Maybe we save that for Survivor Series so that we get some time for it to become special again. And speaking of time and special, has anybody noticed the extended absence of one Sasha Banks? Her name wasn't even mentioned until last night. Which makes me think we might see Bianca Sasha 2 at SummerSlam. Quote me on that. I think it's going to happen. Now then, let's go to Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre. I'm reminded of Triple H and Batista after WrestleMania 21, where literally there were three consecutive matches between the two, ending with a Hell in a Cell match, where Batista ended up retaining the championship, and I think we all were shocked, because it was like there's no way that you're going to get three consecutive wins over Triple H, and I started to get nervous in watching this pay-per-view, wondering, okay, Will this be the swan song for Bobby Lashley's title reign? And it's a shame that we feel that way because Lashley's been putting in good work, but it just seemed like McIntyre was the chosen one. I say this might have been my favorite match of all of the matches that they had. It was brutal. It was unpredictable. You didn't know where things were going to go. And again, Lashley wins with a roll-up, which I think is quite cool given all of the violence and craziness of Hell in a Cell. A great, great match, and I think I'm glad that Drew McIntyre is not going to get another shot. We can finally have some new contenders for Lashley and give Lashley the opportunity to really build this title reign. The question for a lot of us now comes, okay, so what happens for SummerSlam, right? Well, SummerSlam tickets, as we know, are actually on sale right now, so you can certainly get them at Ticketmaster or wherever uh, tickets are sold. But the question is, everything seems to be leading to SummerSlam, which is going to be a massive event. And I think we have to go back to 1992. 1992 as the first year that SummerSlam was actually bigger in attendance than WrestleMania. That was the year that SummerSlam was held at Wembley Stadium in London, England, 80,000 strong, the largest attendance ever for a SummerSlam that might be beaten 
by what we see this summer in Vegas? I don't know. But you've got to know that they're going to go really, really big. There are all sorts of rumors in terms of lots of surprises for SummerSlam. I don't know, but I'll tell you this. SummerSlam in a stadium, it's the first time it's happened stateside. It's going to be big. I think it's going to be special. And I don't want to overlook Money in the Bank. I think Money in the Bank is going to be an important pay-per-view. I don't think titles are going to change hands there. But I do think with it being the first pay-per-view at full capacity for fans, uh, really since the pandemic started for WWE, I think it's going to be special. I'm intrigued to see who's going to get the opportunity on the male and the female side for Money in the Bank. I like the idea that it will not be a movie match, but it'll be an actual in-ring battle, which I think is going to be something fantastic. I think they lost a lot with that last year, with it being, you know, the battle up the corporate ladder. It was creative, I suppose, but it didn't really deliver. And remember, it was Otis who won the men's Money in the Bank. Yeah, I don't think they'll make that mistake again this year. So it'll be interesting to see. I think there are a lot of potential contenders for that spot. But again, tonight begins the road to money in the bank. So be on the lookout for all of that. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. I hope you have an absolutely stellar Monday for sure. And uh, follow us on the socials. Some great, great things will be happening there, including I hope you guys have been enjoying our trip to Memphis. Man, we had a lot of fun. And there's still some more great content coming from that. So if you haven't checked it out, by all means, do so. Check out SHW28 on IWTV as well. And get ready for SHW29, which is coming 4th of July weekend. It'll be July the 2nd. And uh, it'll be at the Action Building. It'll be absolutely incredible. All right, got to go. Love you guys. Have an amazing Monday. And until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray, my name is Gerard Bonner, and we call this The Faction. Have a great day. I need my people. Here we go.